and welcome to Prevent This, a podcast of your choice, where we cover everything substance abuse related from prevention to treatment to recovery and everything in between. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of a doctor or other qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding mental health, addiction, or substance abuse. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on Prevent This, a podcast of your choice to live. Today we are going to be talking about commercialization of marijuana and social justice. So recent political changes in relation to marijuana are only part of the story. The publicized and politically charged world of drug policy has undergone immense changes over the past several years, and those changes manifest not just in policy, but also in the physical makeup of the cannabis plant. Not only has the perception of the plant changed, the actual plant itself has undergone dramatic changes as it has been industrialized and brought into a commercial market. As public opinion has softened towards cannabis, the effects of consuming today's marijuana remain poorly understood by many. With increasing acceptance, often driven by corporate interests, use has risen steadily among all demographics. Many have grown up in settings where cannabis use is the norm, and cannabis use disorder accepted as typical behavior. Cannabis use disorder is on the rise, and the changing makeup of the plant and its derivatives make it treatment, making treatment more complex and challenging. Given these realities, the need for continuing education regarding the evolution of cannabis and new forms of consumption, as well as potential downsides, is extremely important. A more holistic understanding of today's marijuana will position us to have more relevant and potentially helpful conversations with those we serve. This conversation that we will have today will be held in a respectful manner and non-political manner, promoting sound science when it when considering the practical reality of discussing cannabis in 2021 with a population that genuinely believes it's just weed. Our presenter today is Ben Court, and he's someone we have had on the podcast and on our webinars here before. And Ben Court's passion for recovery, prevention, and harm reduction comes from his own struggles with substance abuse. Sober since 61596, Ben has been part of the recovery movement in almost every way imaginable, from a recipient to a provider to a spokesperson. Court has had a deep understanding of these issues and a personal motivation to see the harmful effects of drugs and alcohol abuse minimized. From nonprofits to hospitals to private programs, Ben has been the leader inside many forms of addiction treatment and prevention. From 2017 to 2020, Ben was a consultant to various treatment programs, state governments, professional and collegiate athletics and labor. He is now CEO of the Foundry Steamboat Springs, an inpatient treatment program for men in the mountains of Colorado. Ben is a junior fellow at the University of Florida inside their Drug Policy Institute, a member, a board member for the NLAGAP, the, the National Association of Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Transgender Treatment Providers and their Allies, a board member at SAM, Smart Approaches to Marijuana, and faculty at numerous institutes. He is a published author, Weed Incorporated, and his TED Talk, Surprising Truths About Legalizing Cannabis, has been viewed over 4 million times. Please join me today in welcoming our presenter, Ben Court.
cool group to be a part of, not just what you're doing, but also seeing the supporters that you have. I've worked with a, a couple of those programs in the past and know, I know the quality that a few of them bring. Uh, Rosecrans is, is um, on my short list, and so is Rogers. You guys just have fantastic programs there. Um, and I would like to get to know some of the other ones. Because obviously, if you guys are supporting these folks, you know what you're doing. Um, well, we have got 90 minutes to cover something that is usually, if I've got my way, I like to do about six hours with it. And everybody's you know, like, good God, how can you talk about weed for for six hours if you're not in high school and I, I, I it's it's complex there's so many different components to this and so many things that um, I want to share with you um, but I've had to kind of triage a little bit and pick the most important things and so um, there are definitely going to be some things inside of this presentation that that we're not going to cover and I'll apologize in advance for those, and I will hopefully give you some resources at the end um, to to pursue some answers to those things. But there there are a couple of things that I just can't get to. Um, so Ashley, I see you you took your screen off, but if you can tell me or give me a thumbs up or something, and just let me know that this is coming through. Can you see my uh, screen? Okay. Okay, great. You would think after all of this time uh, doing webinars, I would have gotten good at it, um, but I, I haven't. I actually, I really wish I were out in Wisconsin with you guys today. One of my, one of my best friends um, lives out there and, and actually works out of the 5-0 city, however you say that. Um, so it would have been a whole lot of fun to, to be there. Um, the things that I'm not going to cover today are basically the, the medicinal components uh, that exist inside of the cannabis plant. I'm not going to get into CBD or into hemp. Um, we're not doing much on the workplace impairment or driving under the influence uh, pieces because those are um, they're, they're, they're pretty tough. But again, if you've got questions, um, reach out to Ashley at the end of this. I'm going to stay on for about 15 minutes afterwards, and then i got to run, and I'll do my best to answer whatever ones, but I'll give you resources. And um, I'm also uh, leaving this presentation with Ashley. She has a copy of it, and everybody's welcome to it. Um, I have everything cited at the end of the presentation um, to, to a standard acceptable for continuing medical education. So um, you are more than welcome. Welcome to take this presentation and pick through it and heck, take my name off of it and put yours on it and start giving it to people just so long as this information gets out there because we're, uh, we're in a really interesting situation right now. Uh, we have come to a place as a, as a society where, um, where we think we understand so much about, the, about something. When in reality, we understand very, very little. And that's a kind of scary place to be in. You know, if, if you don't know something, you're usually pretty eager to listen. Um, but if you think you know everything about it, a lot of the times we kind of write people off. So I'm going to hopefully in the first couple of minutes here share with you um, why we might not know as much as we think we know about what's going on out there and then, and then challenge you to kind of lean into learning a little bit about today's marijuana. 
before we do that, I will attempt very, very briefly to walk that fine line between sounding like a, a conceited jerk and um, telling you enough about myself that, that you think I might be worth listening to. Um, here, here are some credentials. There's just a couple that I really want to mention. Um, the first one that, that I want to mention, and it's mostly to help you contextualize things, is that I'm, um, I'm a father raising three kids in uh, Boulder, Colorado. And uh, until yesterday, uh, Boulder, two days ago, I guess Boulder was known as just the, the weed capital of the world. Now, unfortunately, we're getting known for some other things. But um, we have a lot, a lot of weed here in Colorado. And of all the places in Colorado, um, Boulder is, is sort of leading the charge in the way that we, um, we have welcomed cannabis into our society. So the first thing that I'd like to point out to you is, is the perspective of my children. Ashley and I were chatting a little bit before about the ages and the, the fun and the scary uh, with different ages of our kids. And I'd like you, if you can, to try and consider the, what it has been like for my kids and to some degree your kids too, even though you're in a state that's not legal yet, probably moving towards that, they've all been getting the same message. And they have been getting a very, very deliberate message and a message that has been um, determined through focus groups and lots of giant spending to impact them the most. And that message is that um, it's just weed, it's medicine, it's never hurt anybody. It's natural. Uh, you should use it for your mental health, your physical health, everything under the sun. So I'd like you to contrast that with the message that we've been getting. Um, so I'm, I'm 42 and I grew up with D.A.R.E. in school. There's actually no abstinence-based drug education in Boulder County right now. They did away with all the abstinence-based drug education. It's all harm reduction uh, in my county now. And I grew up with weed being something that you didn't talk about, um, something that was under the covers, something that would get you into trouble, um, something that was certainly counterculture. Um, and it, it was it was always a behind the scenes sort of a thing. You know, when you would hear uh, a, a, a song come out where the artist made some sort of veiled allusion to, to cannabis, everybody would be like, oh, damn, did you hear that? I think he was talking about weed. I think he was talking. I got five on it. We all know what that means. Um, and it's changed so much today. So consider what it's been like for my kids. And again, to, to some degree for your kids, my daughter um, on the way to school every day, even though, so I live in, in rural Boulder County, um, on the way to her school every day, she passes two dispensaries. So do all of the other kids. Um, my neighbors across the street, fantastic people and friends of ours, um, they have a, a huge hemp field, which um, when the wind comes from the West <laughs> makes, makes my house smell um, exactly like you would expect that it smells. And she also passes a gigantic grow operation, probably about 30 acres on, on the way to school too, that's indoors, but the smell just permeates and it's everywhere. So for a 17-year-old, um, most of, of the time that she has interacted with society, there has been um, storefront and legal cannabis everywhere. Now, let's let's skip my 15-year-old, middle child, of course, he's probably used to that. Let's, let's skip him and go to my 12-year-old, um, who was born in 2009, which was the same year that Colorado opened um, retail medical stores. And if you know much about how uh, 
we opened retail, it was a giant free for all at the beginning. Uh, we had about 120,000 um, cards that we gave out in the first year or two, and most of them were for chronic pain. The vast majority of people were under the age of 25, and there were storefronts everywhere. So my nine-year-old has literally never been in a in a world that doesn't have retail marijuana. He's just used to it. Um, it's the billboards. It's the guys on the, the sandwich signboards. It's people handing out balloons when you walk downtown. Um, it's everywhere. And so I think for a lot of us, we've still got this idea of, of what it was. It was taboo. It was something we didn't talk about. And yet our, our kids, this younger generation, it's been so integrated into their lives that they are very, very willing to discuss it um, differently than we are. And sometimes I think that it's our, um, it's our inability to recognize the difference between how we grew up and how they are growing up that creates some of the chasm between us that makes it so that we can't get through to them. Um, I have been sober since June 15th of 1996. I got sober out east uh, when I was 18. And um, I, uh, this has impacted the recovery community for sure. Um, we, we won't get into that a ton because I want to get into what we're doing. Um, the, the year that we passed was 2012. We opened retail in 2014, January 1st, 2014. And if you see um, my fourth bullet point there, at that point I was at the University of Colorado Hospital inside of their co-occurring chemical um, dependency treatment program um, for adults. And that's what really, really sold me on being interested in this subject. From there, I wrote a book uh, called Weed Inc., Probably not a very good book, um, but maybe one that's that's worth reading because it's got some new information in it. I'm actually working on a second one. Uh, it's it's your local Barnes and Noble and um, Amazon and all that business. And, and last year, for our medical professionals on board, um, last year I got to contribute to a book called Cannabis and Medicine: An Evidence-Based Approach that was published by Springer. And our, our medical professionals will know the the company. They publish pretty much all of the um, medical textbooks. In, in the country. So that'll actually be required learning for all med students this year. Um, and for those of you in treatment and prevention, a colleague and I took a real deep into what it looks like to treat cannabis use disorder and some of the specific idiosyncrasies to that versus substance use disorder as a whole. Um, so it, it might be looking at. Um, I still consult a lot. There's a couple other things I do, and but now I uh, the, the foundry you see down there, I, I um, run a small program for men in the, the mountains of Colorado, if you know our geography, in Steamboat Springs, a small um, chemical dependency treatment program for, for men. And there's some boards of directors and stuff I'm on. Let's go. Let's talk about cannabis. Let's talk about the new school cannabis, not what you smoked in the 70s. Listen, let me make like a, a really giant statement and a statement that is sure to ruffle some feathers. I hope it does. Listen, if you're sitting in on a conversation about weed and you're not willing to have your feathers ruffled a little bit, um, I don't, uh, you're, you're probably not willing. You're probably not in the right place. Um, if I'm having a conversation with you about weed and I'm not ready to be challenged and have my feathers ruffled, I'm probably not in the right place either because it's complicated. It's a big, giant, interesting subject. Um, so here's the statement for you. No matter who you are, 
unless you have consumed a THC-based product um, that was purchased commercially in the last couple of years, three, four years, you don't know anything about weed. In fact, your construct of what cannabis is is so antiquated that it is at best irrelevant. And the reason why I say at best is we go back to what I was talking about at the beginning, how when we know nothing about a subject, we lean in. But when we think we know everything, like, okay, okay, come on, seriously, what are you, what are you going to teach me? Um, and I would I'd, I'd propose to you that that's part of the big problem with this, that so many of us really genuinely think and believe that we know about this because we live through it. Um, cannabis was a central part of my use. It's what I started on. Um, it was a, a daily thing for me for years. I knew a lot about weed. And if somebody came in and said, hey, man, you don't know nothing about what people are doing today, I'd be like, all right, buddy, you should have been there in the 90s. Washington, D.C. in the mid-90s, boy, you don't know what you don't know. I know people will give these talks in California, and they'll be like, yeah, have you ever been to Humboldt? Like, doesn't matter. I don't care what you did at Woodstock. I don't care what you did listening to Cypress Hill. I, I, I don't care what happened in the early 2000s, all through the 70s, 80s, 90s. Unless you've consumed something purchased commercially in the last couple of years, you're talking about something different than what people are consuming today. Give me 10 minutes to prove that point to you. 10 minutes. Um, what we are talking today and what the, the market is here to support is THC. I actually passed this. We had appointments all day yesterday down at Children's Hospital with my youngest, and um, this dispensary is right next to Children's, so I passed this specific dispensary yesterday. Um, the market, not just in Colorado, uh, the market is built around supporting not the sale of cannabis, but the sale of THC. So uh, for those of you who are way 101 on this, THC is the intoxicating chemical inside of cannabis. If you don't have THC, you have hemp. You have a really interesting plant that makes some, some cool textiles. Incidentally, my favorite pair of shoes is made out of that. If you don't have THC in it, you've just got hemp. So there's like 200 and some chemicals inside of the cannabis plant before you light it on fire. And that ends up at about 500 and some after you light it on fire. And, and of those, there are really only two of them that matter. There's the THC and then there's the CBD. The CBD matters certainly because of the medicinal qualities in it, which it absolutely has. There certainly are medicinal qualities inside of cannabis. Um, they, they exist pretty exclusively. We'd have to get into a pretty advanced conversation to, to get out of that inside of the CBD. Um, but they're, they're very much there. But to me, that's not the most interesting part about CBD. I'll share with you what it is in, in just a moment. Um, but please, don't get me wrong. If, if you're watching this with your... 17-year-old um, right now, and he's like, see, I told you, it's medicine. No, listen, listen, young, young, young fella, you don't smoke medicine, ever, <laughs> like ever, 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 <laughs> under any circumstance, like never in the history of humankind have we been like, hey, you know, the best way to get that into your body, you should dry it up, light it on fire, and inhale it, never. There is absolutely medicine inside of cannabis. It exists inside of isolated components. 
um, like lots of other things in nature. So the market that we have is there to cre um, support THC. THC is what gets you high, the only part of it that gets you high. Let me show you um, three things from this uh, chart. These data are, are they're, they're priceless. Um, they were discontinued in 2010. Uh, they were able to report out to 2011. Um, that administration canceled this whole whole thing, and hopefully, and, and it would appear that there might be some private funding in place to begin it again. Because what what they did was this was a university in Mississippi, and um, for 50 years they collected samples from all of the states. Uh, of seized cannabis and built uh, a representative sample group. And so we have 50 years of data collected at the same place using the same techniques. I mean, it's like, it's like dream data. And we learned a lot of things from it. But what I, what I want to highlight to you are, are really just three of them right now. Um, so first, if you can see my cursor, which I hope you can, the first thing that I would like to show you is that if we look at the beginning of this in 1960, um, we see what is naturally occurring inside of cannabis. Now, we know from way more than the University of Mississippi. We know certainly from accounts of things, but we actually have been able to um, analyze really, really old cannabis because... Um, I mean, there are examples of thousand plus year old cannabis um, being found inside of tombs uh, in Asia and Africa. I mean, people loved it so much. They were like, hey, bury that stuff with me. Put some of that in there with me just in case. OK, um, and, and we've been able to analyze that. And we can tell you that were this line to extend back into perpetuity, if this went forever, um, to, to whenever humankind started interacting with cannabis, it would always be the same. Because what naturally occurs inside of cannabis is somewhere between 0.2 and 0.5% THC. Depends on the geography, mostly the climate, and then of course the, um, the, the breeding history of the plant. But for those of you who have heard somebody tell you it's natural, it's natural. It absolutely is natural. But what is natural is less than half of a percent THC. So lesson number one that I want you to take from this is that what naturally occurs inside of cannabis is less than half of a percent THC. Lesson number two, this line right here is CBD, which interestingly, we didn't even begin tracking until um, the mid 80s. And I, I've got my ideas why, but um, when we started tracking that in the, the mid 80s, you see, again, what we what we know from old stuff. But what I want to show you and, and tell you why, in my mind, CBD is so crucial to this conversation is that uh, what naturally occurs inside of cannabis is a one to one ratio of THC to CBD. And you might not think that's a huge deal. Unless you understand um, some of the things that CBD really does. So one of the coolest things that CBD does, aside from um, it's got some, 
some anti-convulsant properties that are kind of miracle drug category, and they have been turned into some amazing FDA-approved things that are really helping some, some people with extreme seizure disorders, especially some very young people. But um, in my world, the most interesting thing that CBD does is it is a, it is a powerful antipsychotic. It's a relevant antipsychotic. In fact, last year, the journal Psychiatry um, published uh, an article in which they said you can probably accept, uh, expect to see a new class of antipsychotic drugs in the coming years that are based on CBD. Now, it wouldn't be extracted CBD. It would be synthesized CBD because it's a lot more economical. Um, but CBD is absolutely and completely non-intoxicating. There is no way to get high on CBD. You can't do it if it's actually CBD. But the coolest thing about CBD is that it neutralizes the psychoactive component that is THC. And, and I hope you catch the, the hugeness of that. So this is something, again, I, I, I'm giving you a little bit of ammo to, to argue back with the folks who insist on natural. Yes, in the form of this plant that nature and God gave us, um, it is an, it's a pretty remarkable plant because the CBD keeps the THC from getting out of control. At a one-to-one -one ratio, you can't get high. The problem is if the THC grows and the CBD doesn't, that's the intoxicating. And it's more than intoxicating because it's a psychotic drug. So it's more than... Um, intoxicating in that it does some pretty intense things to the human brain. So this was why for so long, we never really had much of a problem at all with cannabis because it kept itself from being an issue. Um, it was something people used to relax, a little creativity, a little whatever. It, it really wasn't much of an issue. However, as the gap grows between the two, you get more issues. Okay. The third thing I want to show you in this graph is that weed has gotten stronger over 50 years. Um, and that should be no surprise to those of you who work in this world. Listen, this is, this is America. <laughs> we supersize our Big Macs. Uh, we brought you all professional wrestling. Like if one is good, two is better. And if we can figure out how to get higher on something, oh, we're going to do it. I know what caused this spike. And well, we know collectively, and I have a theory about what caused this one, but they don't matter too much. All that matters is that over the course of these, if the THC has increased, the CBD has not. It's why we started to see actual issues with this plant as opposed to, um, there's this old joke that says that the most dangerous part about weed is getting caught with it. And um, it's pretty true for a lot of years until we started changing the chemistry of the plant. So back to my statement about if you haven't consumed in the last couple of years, you don't know what you're talking about, uh, please lean in. And if there's nothing else in this entire presentation that you get, uh, I, I need you to get this next thing. So I am showing you a 50 year time period in increments of 2.5%. This is the, the, time period beginning in 1960, the blue is Colorado. And unfortunately, those data ended in 2015. There's a new book coming out that's talking about the, um, 
So a whistleblower who tried to get that all changed and, and maybe the state will start testing again. But as it stands right now, um, we are not um, unofficially. Um, well, based on the data that the state released last year for 2020, um, that I, I don't all the way trust. Um, but based on that, that data, um, if we were to take this number up to 2020, like if we extended the graph out to 2020, this would be 63%. Um, so the line certainly would continue. That's um, Colorado Marijuana Enforcement Division's annual report uh, that they published two months ago. So here's, um, here's the problem. <laughs> the problem is that for so many of us, we are just talking about or think we are just talking about what we're familiar with, which was a plant, all of this. But this plant in very, very recent history has become a drug, a really intense and strong drug. In fact, um, the Netherlands, where if you know anything about Amsterdam and things, they, they know their weed. Um, Amsterdam has classified anything over 16% THC as a hard drug. They no longer consider it to be marijuana. Um, they put it in the same category as other hard drugs, heroin and, and cocaine and things. It's changed a lot. And unless we're willing to kind of um, adapt with it and, and have conversations um, uh, uh, that, that, are, that are real to today's cannabis, because listen, it doesn't matter that you guys don't have retail in Wisconsin. These products are there. They're everywhere. Um, I'm sure if we have any members of law enforcement, um, I would assume that they could back this up because I've never been anywhere that they haven't. And uh, before the the pandemic and the lockdown I was in um, uh, Milwaukee and the, the Colorado products and California products were all over Milwaukee. You have these products there because they're so easy to transport. Um, when we've gone from good gardening to good chemistry, when we went from the person growing the weed being the person smoking the weed to the person growing the THC being a giant corporate entity whose, whose sole interest in growing that is to make money, things change a lot. All right, I, I, you're going to feel like I'm switching gears here, but, but I'm not switching gears too much. Before that, actually, I know I said a lot, and I, I know some stuff's popping up. So if you think that there's anything that, any questions that I, I really need to address before moving on from that last section, um, would you tell me? There's one question um, I think that would be fitting to be answered now is, uh, what about the Delta-8, THC, Delta-9, or CBN? They have a psychoactive component. Um, our last webinar that we did uh, last week talked a lot about the Delta-8, but maybe you can just touch on that. Um, you are, like, this is, this is 301, <laughs> and, and it's so new. Um, yes, they're, they're, it is different. They have a, a, you can get intoxicated from it, but it's a different kind. It, it binds differently. And um, we could talk about that for the next 
two hours. Um, and especially if you guys just had a presentation, I'd, I'd rather not. I'd rather stick to this one if I could, because you're asking sure. a super advanced. Sure. Was there anything else? Nope. Okay. Um, if you're... Um, I know that there are some mental health professionals here, and so so sorry for the review for you, but for everybody else, I'd like to um, I'd like to tell you that uh, diagnosing a substance use disorder or, or addiction is not something that can be done arbitrarily. Um, you got to meet diagnostic criteria. Period. Uh, if somebody meets two or three of those criteria, they have a substance use disorder that's mild four or five, moderate, six and above, severe. And it does not matter the substance. We say cannabis use disorder, opiate use disorder, alcohol disorder, it doesn't matter. Whatever the substance is, if you meet four or five of these criteria, these 11 criteria, it's a moderate disorder, six or above, like, like I was when I was using, it's a severe disorder. We'll talk about why this matters. <laughs> but first, um, four years ago, maybe five, Four or five years ago, um, the, the last time the DSM was updated, so this is the manual that mental health professionals and, and doctors use to diagnose um, mental health conditions. The last time it was updated, it included objective criteria for cannabis withdrawal, um, which is nuts. Ten years ago, the idea of a person being physically dependent on cannabis to a point where they would have to withdraw from it um, was... A, a million to one, a billion to one. It just didn't happen. When we think about cannabis, like withdrawing from cannabis, we're like, um, oh, okay, how bad could that actually be? What, what does that really mean? Is that actually a thing? And what's wild is that just in the last couple of years, um, it has changed so much that a person um, can now become physically dependent on cannabis. Whereas before, that just wasn't a thing. And the withdrawal from cannabis is a pretty intense experience. If we have time, um, I will give you treatment providers and medical providers some information on it. If not, I'll give you resources for it. So um, here, here's just a, a, a little bit that we got to understand about THC and addiction today is that it is very, very real. And so for those of you who work inside of my field, um, recognize how real it is and maybe we need to start changing some of our tactics and certainly our intake questions around that i've done a lot of that work with folks and it's it's a challenge um it often requires very long stays in treatment as well as antipsychotic medications because a lot of the times you're not able to find a patient's baseline until they've been abstinent for 30, 40, 50 days because the nature of THC and it being fat soluble and how it hangs out in your system. And as those of you who work in my world know, um, trying to get insurance to pay for cannabis at all is, is a, a tough thing to do treatment um, and trying to get them to, to cover um, the needed length of time is almost impossible. So traditionally rates of addiction were up until the last big solid study we had was 2012, they were about 10%. And as of October of last year, um, that, that, that now reaches 30%. So that's from a, a one-time exposure. So for everybody who's ever exposed to THC, roughly a third of those people at some point in their life will meet diagnostic criteria for a cannabis use disorder. Um, a big deal. 
And many of these folks need physical detox as well as medical intervention. All right. Addiction and business. The thing that I care the most about. Um, because I think that this is what's been the problem uh, with everything, with tobacco, with booze, with opiates, and now with cannabis. Um, so let me walk you through what's happened in Colorado. When we opened in 2014, we had fewer than 300 licensed cannabis facilities. By the time, uh, three years later, uh, by the time we counted at the end of 2017, um, that number had grown by a multiplier of about four. We had almost 1,200. In 2019, the last year I have good data for, we have 2,700. So in five years, we went from 300 to 2,700. So the questions are begged. How can Colorado support this amount of retail? And the answer is very, very simple. We can support this amount of retail because there is a consumer base for it. If there weren't people buying, we couldn't keep growing. So how does the growth continue? <laughs> the growth continues because using base grows. It has to grow. And there are only two ways to grow that um, group. You, 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 there's only two. You capture new users, you convert current users to more frequent users. That's the most important thing you can do. If you're on the money-making side of this thing, you got to keep growing. So the old 80-20 rule that we've known in prevention, thanks to SAMHSA, for, for about 60 years, that, that about 80% um, of the alcohol in this country is consumed by about 20% of the consumers, um, that, that my wife and her three or four margaritas a year uh, don't matter at all to the alcohol industry, whereas the guy who discovered Mad Dog 2020 when he was 12 years old, um, <laughs> I, I, I mattered a lot. What we've actually found in Colorado is quite a bit more disturbing than that. Um, as of last year, um, this number used to be very different, but it keeps shrinking. So as of 2020, 6.1% of the users in Colorado purchased 75.7% of the THC products. So 6%, and Colorado sold $2.1 billion worth of uh, THC last year. 6.1% of the users purchased almost 76% of the products. So if we move away from pejoratives for those people and we look to, to actually um, who they are, these are people who, with very few exceptions, unless they're um, dealing in huge quantities, would be folks who would meet the diagnostic criteria for a substance use disorder or an addiction. So if you're an industry, very, very well organized, well-funded, super smart industry, and if you know that three quarters of your profit has to come from 6% of the people, and those people are meeting the diagnostic criteria for a substance use disorder in all likelihood, who do you target? Who do you try to cultivate and grow? If you want to grow your bottom line, you must grow the pool of problem users. And, and the issue that we have is that far too often we're discussing um, a middle-aged 
uh, middle class white person saying, what's the big deal? They're consuming a little bit. They're doing this instead of a glass of wine. Just a couple buddies passing a joint around on a Friday night. They're not considering who is actually making up that 6%. And the people making up that 6% are disproportionately minorities, are disproportionately folks who earn under $25,000 a year, uh, and people in, in very, very urban areas of Denver. They are just like every other vice industry has ever done, just like gambling, um, tobacco, alcohol, opiates, they are targeting the disenfranchised and the most vulnerable. And the other people who are the most vulnerable in these circles are those with mental health issues. Let's keep talking on that in just a few minutes. If you want to create a problem user, we know exactly how to do it. Um, there, there are four components. The fourth one, we just have no control over. The fourth one is genetic predisposition. But if you want to create the problem user, these are the factors. Age of onset, frequency of use, and THC potency. So age of onset, um, anything prior to frontal lobe myelination is of concern. And frontal lobe myelination, of course, for, for um, men is mid-20s, for women, early 20s. Um, so the farther you are from frontal lobe myelination, the, the worse the impacts are going to be, both from an addiction standpoint and a mental health standpoint. So the earlier you can get somebody started, the more frequently you can get them using, really anything more than um, a couple times a month is, is of big concern. And how strong you can have them consuming. Um, like we would say... that. that Again, it gets super complicated if you want to get into it. We're not going to take the time, but um, we would certainly say that anything above 10% potency uh, would be of, of great concern. Age of onset, frequency of use, and THC potency. Let me show you um, a little bit about uh, what the, the industry does um, in Colorado, how we roll. cookie monster on the side of a dispensary in Colorado Springs with a plate full of dope. Now, listen, they're not selling weed to a five-year-old who's coming in and be like, oh, I saw cookie monster out there. How can I get some of what he has? What, what this is, is, is a long-term hearts and minds campaign that is like second to none. This is the specific targeting of youth to start to push back on these ideas they have about what cannabis is so that they can capture them young because that's how we're building the substance use disorder. We're going to create things that look like a Butterfinger but are really a Buddha finger, look like a Kit Kat but are really a Keith Cat. We're going to um, get an emoji set on the iTunes store. Listen, I don't use a lot of emojis unless I'm like texting back and forth with my daughter. Um, so I will challenge you that the, the Kushmoji set, which is all cannabis related emojis, um, is not put out there for adults. It's something that's pretty specific for the young people. Here's a, here is a back to school special in Colorado. The half naked lady doesn't do it for you. Maybe the two for one special will. This, um, what was my favorite uh, a couple of years ago um, 
this is the Boulder Daily Camera. So um, uh, Boulder County is an open enrollment county, which means we can pick the schools our kids go to uh, if we don't want them to go where they're they're zoned. And so my the, the same year, my daughter was going into ninth grade, and my son was going into seventh grade. So um, their school gave them gave all of them this insert from the Boulder Daily Camera. Uh, because it's the open house dates for the middle schools and the high schools. So every middle schooler and high schooler in my county got this paper at school. And my daughter comes home, goes down to her room, comes up, and, and she says, check this out, Dad. This is the first page of that paper. It's one-third of the page is an advertisement for a dispensary called Starbuds. And she said, first I thought it was an advertisement for Starbucks, and then I look closer, and I think that's weed, huh? So, yeah, I think that's weed. I think that whoever made that advertisement probably got some sort of giant industry award because he co-branded it with something that all of you young people know and love. And he put it in front of every single juvenile eye in the county. Very, very intentionally put it in front of every one of them. Here's a move-in special at CU Boulder, so obviously targeting freshmen and sophomore. Um, I have about 650 of these photos. I, I just pull a couple out every time to share with you. Um, here's a, a spring break picture. Um, there, there's Santa Claus with a bag full of dope. Uh, again, um, not targeting the grown-up. <laughs> uh, this is, uh, we've replaced baby Jesus with a dab rig, which I'll teach you about in a minute. As far as frequency goes, this campaign ran for over two years. This was a, a big deal. These guys ended up getting uh, federal charges brought against them for something else, but this was everywhere. It was on the sides of taxis, billboards. They were running this campaign um, and encouraging you to smoke weed every day. Now, listen, I don't care how myelinated your frontal lobe is. Like, don't. <laughs> don't. Today's cannabis is so different. Um, you know, we're, we're not going to have a ton of time to get into this, but if you consume this regularly, what actually is going to start to happen is um, you will change the physical structure of your brain. So we see a loss of gray matter, white matter, we see a loss of connective tissue, and then we actually are seeing a measurable shrinkage of the frontal lobe, um, which don't change the physical structure of your brain, please. <laughs> Make things, uh, telling folks to do it daily. So dab, dabble, uh, dab is a, the, the verb uh, uh, for concentrate consumption, which if you're not familiar with, oh, just wait. We have pre-rolls. In fact, I dropped my daughter off at the airport um, to go down to some family friends for spring break, and I was walking in with my youngest because we had to walk her in there. And as we were walking into the airport just last week, um, my son said, hey, Dad, is that weed? And there was a pack of pre-rolled joints. Uh, they actually looked more like cigarettes than this, that somebody had just set on the steps before they got into the airport because we can't take them in. So they're just leaving them there for the next guy. I said, yeah, man, that's totally weed. So we threw it in the trash can and then thought, God, where do I live? <laughs> like, well, what is going on in the world that, that my 12-year-old spots actual cannabis cigarettes walking into the airport? Um, we have messages, uh, uh, do everything you can do and do it high. Again, I have a million different pictures of this, but it's ski season. So I thought that would be fun. And then as far as pot, instead of like, you know, dear Debbie or Abby or whoever it was, um, we have dear stoner in our local paper. Um, and, and this question was, how can I easily request the highest potency strains of a product? 
And if you see the part that I have circled down there, uh, he answers, bud tenders are trained to have their most potent product at the ready when asked for a suggestion. And that is absolutely the truth. I'm in dispensaries all the time trying to keep up with what's going on and um, see what's what. And every time I ask them, I get the same answer. Nobody wants you to start on the little stuff. The messaging that my kids have grown up with, and that to some extent yours have too, because internet, um, is hard to counter. When, when I say things like, come on, it's not for kids. It's a grown-up thing. Come on, you shouldn't be doing it that often. Nobody gets drunk every day. You shouldn't get high every day. Come on, stop smoking the hard stuff. Ease up a little bit. They're like, okay, whatever, old man. Because the teddy bear riding a roster rocket over the flat irons has been telling us to stay high since I've been a kid. And it's a pretty damn hard thing to, to argue with. We have an industry that specifically, egregiously, knowingly targets youth. They target people who can become problemed users. Those are mentally ill folks. They target the most likely to consume, which are the lowest income in our society. And you show me a place in this country where income doesn't walk lockstep with ethnicity and I'll buy you a steak dinner. So they're deliberately targeting ethnic minorities, sexual minorities, mentally ill and young so that they can get rich. And boy, when I say rich, I mean rich. $2.1 billion in the state of Colorado last year. Um, it would appear, okay, so it's kind of a tricky thing to figure because North America, Canada is a part of things now. And so you got to isolate uh, a whole lot out. And then there's three tiers of the market. There's what we would call the black market, where at no point in the process is anything taxed. Or, um, or, or even attempted to be regulated. Um, so it's grown illegally, shipped illegally, sold illegally. Then you would have the gray market where one or two of those components was legal or illegal. They might grow it in a legal setting, but then sell it outside of dispensaries to avoid those taxes or vice versa. And then you have the white market where everything is taxed from the very, very first time they plant something up until it walks out the door of a dispensary. So if you look at the, the white market for last year, um, we sold about $25 billion worth of cannabis in North America, just the white market. So buddy, if you think that we're talking about like some cutesy little mom and pop, like, like integrity farms, you know, like, oh, shucks, we just sell a little weed to get by. You're crazy. This is Monsanto. This is Walmart. This is Nestle. This is big, giant, publicly traded, corporate America doing what they do, which is making a profit on the backs of the most vulnerable. We've always done it. We're always going to do it. For some reason, we gave weed a pass on this one. And we didn't demand that the people answer hard questions because we were like, oh, it's just weed. It's just weed. What's the big deal? You have to understand three forms of consumption. Um, 
um, before you, you can you can get a handle on this. I should have told you, Ashley. We we should have done like some sort of. Uh, actually, maybe you can. Can are you savvy enough? You could you could put a poll together, just a yes or no, that um, somebody that the I can ask one question. I think Ashley left. She got tired of this crap. All right. If you are not familiar with what a concentrate is, um, you've got we, we got a big lesson coming. Um, so, what I need um, you you to, to kind of step back from and, and understand before I get into this is I'm not talking about fringe use. I'm about to show you something, uh, this whole new uh, line of consumption, and you're going to be like, whoa, holy crap. <laughs> Nobody's actually doing that. And so um, what, you, what you need to understand about concentrates is we actually sell um, more concentrates in Colorado than we do the flour uh, by value, not by weight. It's That would be insane. Um, the majority of the dollars being spent on THC in Colorado are being spent on concentrates. This is not fringe use. This is what people are initiating on. This is what they're consuming multiple times daily. Um, this, this, this is what they're consuming. So don't think that I'm just showing you the, the extreme here. Uh, and good Lord, come out and visit and walk into a dispensary. Ashley, you're back. I am. I got it up. Do you want me to launch it? Oh, yeah, launch it. Let's ask this question. Who's familiar with concentrates? Um, okay, you tell me when we're getting close to having a, a decent idea. Give it one more second. Okay, so here, can you see the result? Oh, share results. Sweet. I'm impressed, Wisconsin. Well, there's people from all over. That's great. But a lot of you do. Um, and I, I appreciate the hundred of you chiming in that you're not familiar with it. So thanks for doing that, Ashley. Yep. Um, concentrates are the primary form of consumption. And check this out. Uh, crack is whack. Crack kills. Say no to crack. Sound familiar? Well, kids, I'm here to tell you that not all crack is bad. Some crack is actually really, really good. So what we're talking about here is what's affectionately referred to often as crack weed. Um, and it comes in about a million different forms. I'm going to teach you all of them, but most of them, not all of them. Um, this is the this is the one that matters the most uh, because this is the direction that the whole industry is moving. And again, it takes a while to understand the why. It has to do with tolerance, um, essentially, and the fact that there is no lethal overdose associated with THC consumption. Um, but the, the market in Colorado has grown around this. It's called a distillate. And this is weed. This is what they're buying <laughs> and putting in their vapes and saying it's just weed. So, okay, the like, like the apex of our knowledge, 
like we kind of run out of sound scientific data around what high potency cannabis is doing to the human brain and body at 16%. So above 16%, um, we have indications. None of them are good. Like definitely none of them are good. It looks like the higher the potency, the more issues we have, obviously. But um, what we've learned is that up to 16%, and I'll share some of the data with you later, that really as soon as you go above 10%, you start to get into some, some big issues. And we just haven't had time to, um, to, to air decent science around what's happening in these higher potencies. And if you see what I've circled here, these concentrates, those distillates I just showed you, these concentrates are um, being legitimately measured as high as 99.9% pure THC. So we don't know a lot about what's going on above 16%. And they're consuming um, pure THC. It, it, it's a little scary. So I'm going to... This surveillance from a dispensary. I hope you guys can see this okay. It's embedded in it. If not, again, take the presentation. Um, the reason why this one's so interesting to me is that this is a, this is a very large guy. Uh, he, he's not little. And I doubt you're... Um... So what happens with concentrates is traditionally what cannabis does is uh, it lowers your heart rate and your blood pressure, whereas concentrates do the opposite. Concentrates spike your heart rate and spike your blood pressure. Um, and the intoxication is just like gigantic. So I'm, I'm not going to take the time to show you this next video that I have here. What's up, guys? Thunder's Arcade here. If you want to, uh, where'd this go? What's up, guys? Thunder's Arcade here. Wait till I'll, I'll get to the thing because I'm going to give you a little bit of homework if you're interested in this. Um, I follow this guy's channel. I watch everything he puts up uh, because it's super educational. So it's uh, his handle on YouTube is Stoners Are Weed. And you'll see um, he's a, a medical cannabis activist, he says. Um, and what this particular segment is, well, I'll just let it play while I talk a little bit and tell you how to watch. What this particular segment is, is it's called Kill a Friend Day. And so what they do in the Kill a Friend Day is they give uh, people who consume a lot of cannabis, they give them their first concentrate hit, and then they film what happens. And the reason I like to show this one so much is because it just speaks to tolerance, among other things. But first, so, so the, the big guy, the gentleman consuming right now is the person who owns this channel, and he's featured in all of them. Um, so he takes every little bit of that, just, I don't know, like a champ. Um, and what, what's interesting is you see no change in affect. You don't see him doing anything or showing anything different at all. Um, he's just rolling right along. Oh, what happened? Now, he's going to give this guy his first hit. And again, this is all, um, it's a little more complex than we can get into today. But this is why I, I think the, the issue of tolerance is kind of the next big conversation to be having. So the thing I want you to watch when this young man takes his hit is how little of it he gets. He gets a very, very small amount in. And then what the reaction is. So this is always interesting for law enforcement and first responders, et cetera, because what you see with concentrates is not a, uh, 
typical reaction to cannabis. So he hits this and listen, the next couple of minutes are him vomiting and saying he can't breathe, which there's absolutely anaphylaxis associated with, with cannabis. It's rare, but he's having some sort of reaction to it. So as soon as he's done with that, what you start to see here is um, what, what's, what's probably like obsessive tactile behavior, like something that you would expect to see a person on synthetic drugs doing. Certainly not somebody who just took one-tenth of a hit uh, of, of weed. This reaction isn't super typical to cannabis. And this goes on and on and on. So listen, go to this channel, watch this guy, uh, watch some of the stuff that he does. You'll learn a lot. And I think hopefully one of the things that you'll learn sooner than later is that some of this is on us, man. And the reason why it's on us is because we're trying to have a conversation with young people. And, and if you'll let me use the analogy, like teach them how to drive, teach them how to navigate the world with these drugs and, and we're talking about what it was like when we were kids, you know, going like 30 miles an hour downhill and some hand crank. And they're like, okay, 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 whatever. This is driving. Because I've been ripping around town at 220 in a Bugatti. You don't know what you're talking about, old man. That's why we're missing them. We're missing them because they're consuming something that is so different than what we know and what we think we know about. Because when I was a kid... And man, when, when I went down to the 203 and, and I got a bag, if there was one nug that gigantic and thick and amazing, boy, were we happy because that was weed right there. That bud was as good as it got. But today, weed is butter and wax and shatter. The marijuana of the 21st century looks like this highly refined um what you do there's a lot of different ways to do it um and, and and again i i give specific talks on how to how to do this and or how to understand concentrates um you're essentially there's other ways but you're forcing a solvent through the organic material to trip to strip the um thc out of it and then you're purging a lot of the solvent from that, um, which leaves you some some level of pure THC at the end of it, which varies greatly, obviously. Because this is what's being sold in dispensaries. And this is what they're saying is weed. That is cannabis. <laughs> I mean, I, like, granted, it's probably like $3,000 worth of cannabis. But um, when when you close your eyes, if I were to, before this, and I would have said, Richard, pretty much every one of you would have said it's uh it's a green leafy plant you know it's the thing that we see um advertised everywhere and it's the shirts and it's the hats it's not this today wheat looks more like like this is called a, a, a live resin um and <laughs> look you're only allowed to buy 56 grams while supplies last here 56 grams would keep the average user um high for for, for months, like around the clock, high for months. Um, <laughs> the, the problem is the tolerance, like we just saw in that video. For some people, it takes a huge amount for them to feel anything. And that's good 
if you're selling this, that's really, really good if you're selling it because it means you're going to have to buy a lot more of it. Um, here's another example of what a live resin might look like. This is a really interesting product. Um, th this is uh, cold water reverse osmosis extracted. Um, so it, it says it's a terpene rich, high THC count. So the terpenes are, uh, it's more than this, but sort of think of them as the smells, the bouquet, etc. These are interesting, and I threw in here because these are the names of really popular strains of cannabis. You could get um, a, a flower called Gorilla Glue, um, but this is a concentrate that has been made from that flower. But that's this is still what it's being sold as. It's being sold as Gorilla Glue, Bruce Banner, etc. So even some of the vernacular that we use when we think we're up to date, we can be way behind on because this is what everybody is consuming. Here, uh, this is interesting because um, the level of scientific acumen that it takes to get a green organic material and turn it into a perfectly clear liquid is pretty remarkable. Listen, man, this isn't Cheech and Chong growing dope under the fake swimming pool. Um, this is people with multiple advanced degrees um, making, and then people with multiple <laughs> MBAs and things selling. This isn't small time. And we've put it in syringes. That's pretty remarkable. Um, that is a, a nice example of a shatter. Here's something we would refer to as honey. There's different forms of shatter and wax. And, and I just love the, the language on this one. Powered by science and fueled by nature. These are expert-only jars, which means it's going to knock you on your ass. Um, it is powered by science and fueled by nature. And the thing that I like to counter folks with on this is that, yes, <laughs> Weed is natural, and this is built kind of off and around weed. But to say concentrates are natural, it's it's the same thing as saying that that crack is natural, because concentrates are to cannabis what crack is to coca. Like it's the highly, highly, highly refined product that we're at right now. And listen, stop saying four twenty. You sound old. Start saying 710 and you'll you'll get them because 710, so 710 is oil upside down. So July 10th is like the new 420. Look for this sort of paraphernalia and things like that. And, and just remember that if you can read this ad, it says, going back to nature, don't forget the natural cannabis or your concentrate headquarters. Just keep in mind that everybody is still going to refer to this as natural it's natural it's weed it's weed it's weed when the stuff that i just showed you isn't weed and until we have a much better idea of what it is doing inside of the human brain and body does not have a place anywhere in the market unfortunately there's so much money in it that nobody's gonna let them stop and these are just some examples from around town where first one's free <laughs> When I was a kid, I knew some other guys who rolled like that. All right. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that you guys have talked a bit about um, vaping. I'm not your vaping expert. I'm your weed guy. So I'm going to make this really, really simple for you. Um, potent and discreet. You can vape 
anywhere, anytime with no smoke, no smell, no mess. Um, you can do it with uh, impunity. Like nobody's going to pick up on somebody vaping THC. Um, amazing fun flavors, no cannabis smell. And it can be hidden in absolutely anything. And, and like very, very rarely um, is anybody consuming a flower. Like almost never anymore. There's only a couple kind of vaporizers that will even let you do it. Anybody who's vaping THC is vaping a concentrate. Um, so we have this cup that's great for the home or the office or on the go. It actually heats to about 700 degrees. This is a functional pen that doubles as a THC um, vaporizer. Here's a Zippo. Here's an asthma inhaler. Here's a classic bubblegum flavor. Okay, I'm trying to do a whole presentation on this where I show all of the everythings, but there's everything, like everything um, from things that look like straws you put into a drink and exhale back into it to um, hoodies where you exhale in the there's vaporizers inside of everything and they're all made pretty specific for THC. But I want to get to this one quickly because, um, I'm going to end up pushing up against my time. So I want to talk to you about edibles. And the reason I want to talk to you about edibles is because so many of us, especially schools, law enforcement, and those of you in treatment, we're, we're missing this one because we don't know how diverse it is. We think that uh, an edible is a brownie, right? Like somebody's baking some into it. So Colorado came up with 10 milligrams as a legal dose, as one serving. It was a really interesting conversation when we had it because um, like to a person, every medical professional in the room was like, there's no, we can't say what a dose is because there's no safe dose. We have no idea what a safe dose is. And in the end they were like, um, they were like, well, we're just going to go with 10 milligrams. So we went with 10 milligrams as a safe dose. And since everybody thinks Colorado's nailed it so hard, um, everybody has followed suit. So um, one dose is 10 milligrams of THC. Now, it's interesting when we're talking about doing it by weight and not by potency, if you go back to what we talked about in a minute, but more on that in a moment. So this is a package of um, gummy bears by a company called um, Edipure, and there are 10 gummy bears per container. 10 milligrams is a legal dose. The math is <laughs> one per, right? Um, if you read the back of the package, um, it, it actually says that you have to cut each gummy bear into tenths because each gummy bear has 10 legal servings in it. So that's been the workaround we found with edibles is we just put multiple servings inside of one piece of candy or whatever. And then we tell people you have to cut it into whatever the thing is. So the problem and, and most of the problems that we're seeing, um, in, inside of the hospitals and poison control and things in Colorado, most of the problems we're seeing have to do with edibles because people are consuming way more than they mean to. Um, so listen, <laughs> like pretty much nobody's going to consume a tenth of a gummy bear unless you're like super duper 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 responsible and if you are i'm really not this isn't geared towards you <laughs> or anything you would care about um but the, the problem comes in and then there's no oversight for any of this so fda doesn't oversee any of this because it's a schedule one controlled substance that can't um so what ends up happening sometimes is you might get a piece of the gummy bear that's got no THC in it, or just other pieces, like all of the THC in it. But the real issue is that it doesn't impact you quickly. You have to wait. 
So it's going to take um, anywhere between 20 and 60 minutes for you to feel the effects uh, when you eat it because it's a very, very different process than inhaling. It's the slowest way um, to get high. So what will happen um, is you eat this, you eat a tenth, and then you're like, ugh, 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 still not high, give me the rest of that thing. And that's when the problems start because once it's in, it's in. The activated charcoal is not going to do anything, induced vomiting is not going to do anything. Um, really, all you can do, um, hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. That's really good. Sometimes uh, intravenous hydration helps out. Short-term antipsychotics are what they're going to do if you go to the hospital because this is when people have some pretty intense psychotic episodes uh, when they consume too much of an edible. But you just got to ride the ride. Uh, you got to keep somebody safe, keep them from hurting themselves or others, and um, let it play out. And that's going to be, could be up to, at the extreme end, 18 hours, realistically, 8, 10. Now, the issue with using weight versus potency. See, this is a, a distillate-infused edible. And these have 100 milligrams, too, by the way, so you have to cut these into tenths as well. But this is distillate-infused we saw reaching, you know, 99% uh, potency, whoa, like it sort of takes the weight um, issue away from it. And, and so the equivalent that people ask is like, okay, well, how much then is one milligram of distillate versus one milligram of flour, like that you bake into a brownie, like a bud that you break into a brownie. And the answer to that is, um, who the hell knows? <laughs> like the answer to that is uh, like <laughs> it's stronger. We know that for sure, but I can't really tell you a whole lot more than that. So here's a, um, this is a thousand milligram. This was the first time I ever saw a thousand milligram. Um, so 100 legal servings inside of this, it's the size of a graham cracker. This came up. I have a, um, an app called weed maps that you all should get. Um, when it comes to Wisconsin, because it'll keep you updated on what's going on. And I was in California and I was walking by or walking towards a dispensary that had this for sale. And so it popped up on my phone and said, hey, 1,000 milligrams, $35. And then I just recently found these just this year, 2021. Here's a 1,000 milligram cake pop. So, I mean, that's like a, that's a cake pop you've got to cut into thousands <laughs> or hundreds. I'm sorry. You have to cut 100 pieces out of that. To make it legal. But here's the bottom line to it. And this is the what I really wanted to make sure I got to you. That, that, that um, This headline says it best. Infuse everything. These cannabis products might surprise you. Coffee, post-tattoo ointment, toothpaste, vaginal suppositories. If it can be introduced into the human body, it is being commercially produced with THC in it. And I think that this is especially interesting for those of you in law enforcement, those of you in education, and those of you in treatment. Because I'll, I'll show you here. Anything can be weed. Anything can be THC. I mean, from, from ketchup to hot sauce to barbecue sauce to THC-infused coffee or THC-infused um, K-cup coffee. Like, again, super easy just to throw in and make. You're not going to smell or know anything. THC-infused uh, lemonade mixes. And, of course, that comes in all sorts of different flavors. We have our THC-infused ice cream. Uh, granola bars, 
hard candy. Uh, this is interesting. This is a THC infused nasal mist. So you would inhale it. Um, and I, I mean, obviously like nobody's going to think you're squirting THC up your nose. Um, so this is pretty solid, pretty stealth. Here's a topical intoxicating THC. There's plenty of topicals that are basically like CBD for pain relief and anti-swelling and things like this. Um, but this was the first topical THC that I got that was made to intoxicate, which is kind of intense because it's going to go through your skin. And, and anyway, here's a THC pill. THC suckers. These have seven legal servings in them. Here's a THC tea. Again, like you make it cup of this in the morning, walk out, nobody's going to be the wiser. Um, gummies, um, lots of gummies. We're, we make them to look exactly like other candies. So obviously this is THC um, candy that is disguised as a Reese's peanut butter cup. This isn't a joke. Um, this is a, a product called Pot Rocks. Um, so these are Pop Rocks that are infused with THC. It's not for grown-ups. It's not for grown-ups. Sweet tarts, uh, THC-infused alcohol is really a thing, especially THC-infused wine. Um, it's, it's illegal. It, it, it can't be done almost anywhere legally, but it's being done everywhere. And the thing that you should know, uh, you know those of you in law enforcement are aware of this, but everybody else should be very aware that um, intoxication on THC plus intoxication on alcohol is not one plus one equals two. It's like one plus one equals four. Um, you get much more intoxicated and present much differently if you use both of them. Here's a soda. Put this into YouTube tonight. Keef Cola, K-E-E-F Cola. If you see down here, here's a 350 milligram bottle for $10. Um, this is for kids because again, like sour diesel <laughs> soda with 120 milligrams isn't appealing to me. And if you can see the caps on the top, since it has 35 legal servings in it, it's also got a thing on the back that says, hey, don't drink this whole bottle. <laughs> Pour a cap full, drink that, wait 60 minutes. So when you put this into, you're not going to find anybody drinking a cap full. The kids are all going to be drinking bottles and they're kids um, drinking this. If you keep up with rap culture at all, here is a THC syrup. Um, THC juice. <laughs> I thought this was pretty remarkable. Here's a THC water. Um, it, read the top of this. Keith, born in Boulder, Colorado, is proud to announce the world's first cannabis-infused sparkling water. There's a lot more now. But brought to you by Boulder, everybody. Anybody could be drinking this anywhere, anytime. You wouldn't be any wiser. Um, hot chocolate, juice, chai tea. Mints. Listen, man, are you getting the idea? Everything, <laughs> everything, everything. And here's five hour energy, caffeine and THC. Here's an underarm um, applier. So it's made to look like a deodorant, but it's an intoxicating THC, THC infused breast spray, THC infused sex lubes, THC infused suppositories. I bought these. Um, and, and here's the, the back of it just for, so you can keep this in mind. There may be health risks associated with the consumption of this product. This product contains marijuana and its potency was tested within an allowable plus or minus 15% variance. This product was produced without regulatory oversight for health, safety, or efficacy. There, now you know. You eat it, it's on you. 
in 10 minutes, I gotta, sorry, I, um, this is some of the most important parts of the whole thing. Um, so again, I hope you keep doing research and learn more about this, but I, I want to give you very quickly, and I, I will apologize for going as fast as I'm about to, so get ready to, to um, drink from a fire hose. Um, the acute effects of, of physical, so on your body acutely post-consumption impaired memory, motor coordination, slowed react time, increase in singular focus, all things that are very, very crucial for driving. Singular focus is a big deal on the job site. I do a lot of work with professional athletes. Some of them will say, it's good for me to use this because it helps me just stay focused on the ball. It's great, fantastic. But if you're working in a safety sensitive environment or if you're driving, you don't want to have blinders on. Reduction in perceptual accuracy is a big deal. Um, that's why one of the things that we look for when we look for um, cannabis impaired drivers are people who are stopping way back from stoplights or stop signs or moving into the, the lane or whatever. Um, an increase in heart rate, which again, this is fairly new, uh, which leads to an increase in angina, heart attack, and stroke uh, for those with and without previous. Um, huge uptake, uptick in strokes and young people um, who consume cannabis. We don't know why, uh, um, but there, there certainly are fatalities associated with this because if your heart rate spikes, if your blood pressure spikes, it's like anything else. Um, so we wanna be careful on that one. We do not understand why on the electrolyte imbalance yet, is my uh, understanding, but it causes electrolyte imbalances. And obviously respiratory issues, that's pretty specific to smoking, don't smoke. <laughs> um, so physical effects for the chronic use. So long-term use starts to see a change in the physical structure of the brain. Big deal. Long-term use leads to an immune system decrease. Now, long-term use in adolescence and in utero, so when somebody's exposed in utero, long-term use leads to reduced weight and height. And, and again, not totally sure these studies are coming out of um, like Eastern Europe, uh, but it would appear that THC really likes to live inside of the pituitary area of the brain. And maybe that's what's doing it. Um, a dose-responsive increased risk of testicular cancer for men, a reduction in sperm count, and of course, very, very measurable memory loss. So mental health issues. To me, listen, man, this is the biggest issue. This is the thing that that a couple of years from now, folks are going to be shaking their fingers at us in the same way that my generation grew up saying to like my parents' generation, I can't believe there was a time when you guys didn't see the link between tobacco and cancer. I can't believe you bought that crap from Philip Morris. I think that in a couple of years, we as a people will be saying, I can't believe there was a time that we weren't ready to discuss and put out front the link between serious mental health issues and high potency THC, because this is the story of the future. This is where everything like the funnel ends here for me. So this is considering between 12 and 14% THC. This gets worse, the higher the THC potency. Risk of depression is increased 1.4 times. We don't know if it's causation or correlation. Acute anxiety, absolutely causal, and it would appear that it is causal for anxiety disorders. Much worsened outcomes in treating bipolar disorder and the risk of attempted suicide severe enough to require hospitalization is two times for casual use. It's a couple times a month. 
psychosis. Psychosis, if you're not familiar with the words, the, the pejorative might be crazy, but psychosis is basically um, you're not in the same reality as everybody else. Um, symptoms like schizophrenia, hearing and seeing things that aren't there. Um, a lot of the times it's severe anxiety. They're tapping my phone. They're listening to me. They're out to get me. So the, the use of any cannabis at all um, at, at up to 16% is increased with a one and a half time uh, risk in the increase in psychosis. Regular use, so this would be twice a week, is associated with a two-timed multiplier risk of psychosis. And it has been, this is incredibly important, in, in about 50% of this sample group, it was a large sample group, it was determined to be causal. It wasn't a correlation. It caused the psychosis. So high potency cannabis, 15, 16% in this study, frequent use two or three times, uh, two times a week or so, and genetic susceptibility, the presence of those genes can increase the risk of psychosis eight fold, like a multiplier of eight. And any use before the age of 18 sees a two and a half time increased risk for the diagnosis of schizophrenia. These data are real. Guys, I don't care what your, your nephew read in Huffington Post last week. Science is science. And for me, that means it's journal published and peer reviewed. It's not an opinion article. It's not something everybody's like, could it cure COVID? Science is journal published and peer reviewed. And the journal published peer reviewed science is not out on cannabis and mental illness. We know it's in. High potency THC and mental illness, the link is significant and the effects are pronounced and they're profound. In a couple of years from now, we're not going to be like, ha, 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 weed, ha, ha, ha. We're going to finally be dealing with some of the mental health issues that are racking this country and asking some hard questions about a person's drug use prior to, not just cannabis, but drug use, but certainly not omitting cannabis. I have some tips on engaging young people. Listen, there's a chapter in my book called How to Argue with a 17-Year-Old. Um, th these are things that I'm afraid I just can't get to. Um, check out the book. There, that's a copy of it. There's things in there. Here's the references. You can go through them all if you get really, really bored. Um, time. Ashley, I'm seeing a bunch of things popping up on the question thing. What do I need to answer? Okay, so... Um, I'm just going to put my ending on quick in case people have to leave and then we'll do questions if you're okay with that. Awesome. Okay. So we will answer questions. We'll stick around, but for those of you, I know have to leave. Um, thank you for joining us today. If you could fill out the survey when you leave the presentation, it should pop up. If you're on a phone, it's not going to, but I will be sending out a link. Um, we love feedback. If you want a CEU credit, that is required. And we also will be giving away a $50 Amazon gift card at the end of the series. So if you do take that survey, then you get entered into uh, that drawing. We did record the presentation, so it will be posted on our Your Choice website after. Um, we'll probably have it up by the end of the day tomorrow. Sometimes these longer ones take a little longer for us to process. So it will be available by end of day tomorrow. Uh, next 
Wednesday, we have Joe McGuire, which I'm sure Ben knows. Um, and she's going to be talking about how all this plays out in the workplace. So we're really excited for that because no matter what, it's going to affect our workplaces. So please join us for that next week. We also have a great training opportunity from Rosecrans on therapeutic recreation happening on, um, it starts on April 6th. It's a three-part series. So for those of you who are counselors looking for more training, that is an option as well. And of course, we want to thank our sponsors, uh, Rosecrans, Rogers, Pro Healthcare, Addiction Resource Council, our Heartland Rotary, Gals, and Lake Country Foundation uh, for sponsoring this webinar series. So with that, um, thank you all for joining us. I'm going to turn it over to Ben. I'm going to pick or go through the questions with you because some of them um, are similar and then you can just answer them for me. So I think one that's really great, um, we talked about all those products that, you know, that you can put on or whatever. Um, do you look impaired when you use those and do your eyes turn red when you are using those? Um, yeah, for sure. You're going to be impaired and the... Red eye, yeah. Red eyes aren't just from smoking, but they're don't look for red eyes as a as a way to gauge because there's so many ways to get around that. But yeah, you're definitely going to be impaired. Okay, but will it be as noticeable, or will it be different for everybody? It'll be different for everybody, and again, so much of it's going to depend on a person's tolerance. But the thing I'd really encourage you to to think about is expanding the way that you think of THC intoxication. It's not just like the sit back on the couch and like, uh, it, it's very different than that now. Okay. Um, somebody works at an alternative high school and the vast majority of their students have cannabis use disorder. Uh, it's difficult for me to understand how they can be so dependent on weed, but this has given me a lot more understanding of why it's not just weed. But what are some other things that, um, what are some names that people are using that these teachers should look for? Because like with cigarettes, you ask kids if they say, smoke, they say no, but they're vaping nicotine. So what should we be looking for in terms of our students? Hmm. So the vernacular section, it, like it's, it's huge. And again, I've got, um, I had a slide on that, but we sort of had to skip over it. You know what you do? There's like um, 420terms.com. Google wheat vernacular. Go to this. It's all out there. Like kids are really, really, really dumb, and they put everything on YouTube and they put everything else on the internet. It's like anything you want to learn is, is out there. But for learning the vernacular, do that because there's a whole new set of stuff around um, uh, concentrate use. Um, let's see. Do they always have THC on the label or are there other words to look out for that mean the same thing? If it's commercially produced, it'll have THC on the label. But um, most of the stuff that you would find there would probably be removed from the commercial packages. Um, so you can't really rely on packaging. So the rule that we have in our house because um, – so the questions we ask uh, when – our, our kids are going to a new person's house or um, you guys got firearms, which cool. I own a million firearms, but they're all very, very solidly locked up. Um, do you have firearms? Are they locked up? Um, do you guys have alcohol? Is it out of reach? And do you guys have um, cannabis in the house? 
Um, so the rule we've got with our kids is unless you see it come from the bag, you don't eat it, whatever it is. That's good. That's good. We actually did a conference in Denver, Colorado a few years ago, and Katie and my mom and I, we went into a dispensary, and we were asking the bud tender about the edibles, and she says, yeah, if you've never smoked before, just be very careful. Don't eat the whole bag. My dad's best friend ate an entire bag and ended up murdering his wife, so you don't want to eat the whole thing, and we were like, oh, like just so casual, like, oh, yeah, he just murdered his wife. It's totally fine. So when you were talking about that, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's crazy. Richard Kirk, and he only ate one candy, Uh, just had 10 servings in it. And Richard ate the candy and went home, had a psychotic episode, told his wife that she had to kill him before the aliens killed him. And she uh, was trying to get her to, he was trying to get her to open up the gun safe. And she kept saying, no, no, I won't. He somehow was able to get into the gun safe and with his two um, under 10 year old kids in the room, shot his wife in the head. Um, And the family actually ended up suing the manufacturer and settling out of court and, and winning. Wow. That's so crazy. Um, yeah. Let's see. Do you think it's casual or heightens one's anxiety? And can you share oh, any links on correlation to mental health? Oh yeah, there's, so I, I'm not going to give you the, I think on that, like it is, um, it is causal, uh, for anxiety, both, uh, certainly for acute anxiety and in all likelihood, um, for, um, anxiety disorders. And there's, I mean, everything I said today is really well cited at the end the places I would start. If you just want some quick, easy ones, um, go to NIDA National Institute for Drug Abuse, uh, SAMHSA, um, uh, learn about sam.org, uh, which is smart approaches to marijuana. Um, those are some good places to start. There's a great organization here in Colorado called Johnny's ambassadors. Um, they will all have lots and lots of links to those studies, but they're not going to be hard to find at all. Uh, because again, this is, this is big news. Uh, why are kids keeping the boxes? When I search a backpack, I'm finding boxes that are a month old. Um, I don't know. I, I would guess like, it's cool, right? Like if you're a kid and it's probably the same reason when I was a kid, we really liked having tape covers that had the parental advisory thing on them. Like it's sort of a screw you kind of a deal. I don't think there's any other reason than, than that. Either that or they're just looking for a place to ditch them, um, where they, nobody will say in the trash can. Yeah. Um, how do people not think this is a gateway to other drugs? Well, the the reason there is because there's been such an incredible and and well-produced campaign on the other side of it. Listen, this started off very organically. It started off by people who really cared about and and, um, appreciated the plant and cared about people who were pushing back on radical, radical social injustice that was associated with this and other things that our government criminalized just so we could lock more black and brown people up. And then it got co-opted by um, really intelligent, um, money-hungry corporate types. And so the message that they've been giving them isn't, it's not a, it's not like 
didn't come out of the air. Like they've been delivering the same concise messaging since the early eighties. And they've been saying they have, like they've told us everything that they're going to do. In fact, the drug policy Alliance about five years ago put, um, okay, now we've done step one. Step one is use medical to legalize recreational. Once recreational, then we go to psychedelics. Once psychedelics, then we go to opiates. Once opiates, then we go to amphetamines. The, the, full plan is the absolute commercial sales of every vice substance that there is. They've been telling us they're doing it. We've just missed it. So they've packaged this thing really, really pretty and delivered this message to kids everywhere. It's not a gateway. It's not a gateway. Anybody who questions this, just say the word reefer madness back at them. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always hear the comment too, like, oh, it's just mentally addictive. It's not physical addictive, but it's like, that's the hardest part to get over. The mental addiction never it, well, goes away. <laughs> well, and, and that used to be true, Ashley. It used to be yeah. something that we would take logical dependence on, but now it's it's not. Now there's actual physical dependence. Yeah. Um, I know we didn't have time for this, but maybe you can just touch briefly on this. You know, when you have like a child who's convinced that pot is fine, because what can you say to get through to them? Like what tactics actually work? There, so I got a couple, um, and, and really I'm not, because I think I make like a nickel every time somebody buys the book and you're all going to buy it used. Money. I, I wrote all of that. And there are other folks who've done better work on that than I have. Um, what I, I'll give you a big, giant, broad one, and that is don't weaponize this information. Don't go out there and go at them because they have grown up thinking and believing these things you got to play the long game and you got to bring them in and you got to ask them questions and you've almost got to guide them to a point of epiphany rather than um ra rather than than bring the hammer to them um check my book out and check again so many people have done more um johnny's ambassadors is a great website and they have good stuff on there so is sam Mm -hmm. Smart approaches. Yeah, I've been on both. I highly recommend both. They are great. Um, can someone pass a home drug test using some of the detox products found online? Totally. Oh, my goodness, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So they actually do work. Pass right. Passing drug tests is not higher math. <laughs> you, you should see. So I, I, I work for professional athletics. Um, inside of a couple of, of leagues um, and beating the test there is uh, it's a little bit harder because we actually monitor and we watch, but yeah, it's not the hardest thing in the world to beat a, a UA. Yeah. Okay. If someone stops using, does the brain slash body recover from damage? So good news. Yes. But we don't know the extent of it. What we know is that the earlier they stop, the better. Because, of course, like at that point, we're still growing, you know, like cells dividing instead of everything just dying. So the earlier, the better for sure. And the one thing we don't really think comes back would look like some of the, um, some of the frontal lobe stuff that I had mentioned before. Um, it, it doesn't look like that's making a very big resurgence. But you, you don't know. It, it might and we really are only several years into this research. 
I know this is kind of um, hard, but do we know any long-term effects of consuming concentrates? I've had several of the miners on my caseload experience breathing problems with vaping THC. They have actually returned to smoking the plant marijuana as their own harm reduction plan because they say they cannot handle the concentrates. I mean, long-term effects of concentrate use are mental illness. Yeah, that's what you'll see. As far as physical goes, um, those things that I mentioned before, once we have, I mean, good science doesn't come quickly. So once we have a real idea of what's happening with these high potency things, um, yeah, there's significant issues that people are going to demonstrable around the concentrate use. It's going to be addiction and it's going to be mental illness. Yeah. What are the growing integrity regulations for bigger companies? I don't understand the question. Can you elaborate a little while she reads the next one? Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't understand how THC can be nationally illegal, but legal in particular state. Well, it because we're crazy. Because um, federal supremacy shouldn't allow it. I mean, the U.S. Supreme Court has backed up federal supremacy twice in the last 20 years that federal law always trumps state. And since this is federally illegal, but at the same time, like, it's all politics, man. Like, it's all politics. If, if you give me enough money and if I got enough good-looking, well-paid spokesmen, I, I'm pretty sure I could convince every con- like every city in the country that we should, like, sacrifice a puppy at noon at the flagpole. On, on Mondays, like it's all politics and cash rules everything. And these guys came into this with a war chest that was hundreds of millions and is now billions. Awesome. Um, some of my clients thought they were smoking marijuana, but the drug test showed so many traces of other drugs. What is your knowledge of marijuana being used as a disguise for introduction to other drugs? I, I mean, it's definitely a thing. For sure it happens, but I tell you that most of what you're going to hear there uh, um, are going to be kind of like kind of like horror story sort of things that are made just to scare the crap out of folks. Like fentanyl-laced weed. Yes, it's a thing. Yes, it can happen. Uh, when I was a kid in Washington, D.C., it was all about Sherm, um, PCP-laced uh, marijuana. That's what we smoked. We loved that stuff. So, yes, it's definitely a thing, but um, it's not nearly as big a thing is I think a lot of people are going to make out. If it happens, um, it's it's probably pretty rare that, it, that it'll be happening. What is the difference between sativa and other labels that I've seen in dispensaries? So there are basically two kind of branches of the cannabis plant, if you will. There's indica and sativa. Um, and sativa is certainly your more natural. Um, uh, indica tends to be, so as a rule, sativa tends to be a little bit more um, of, a, of an up high, where indica tends to be a little bit more of a down high. Um, there's a lot, a lot of, uh, there are different people, there, there, there are people who will tell you that, that strains treat different kinds of cancers, different strains treat different cancers. Um, really, for me, the difference is between the indica and the sativa. And um, from a biologic standpoint, there's really not much difference at all. It's just the way that the high hits. Hi, I have one more question. Um, 
I wonder, we have a lot of Illinois people who attend. I wonder if our Illinois governor knew what a Pandora's box this is once you look past the revenue. So have you seen in other states that have legalized it that they're like, okay, that was awful? Or you're okay. like, <laughs> oh, yeah. If we voted to get today, it wouldn't pass. Um, listen, Illinois, I'm just speaking to you, Illinois. I'm really sorry because <laughs> the rest of the country was watching. And you guys were the first ones to do this by legislative action. Uh, and now there are a couple people who are trying. Virginia's just done it. New Mexico's trying. So, like, the world is now Jersey. So now the world is like, maybe we should do things like Illinois politics. So from the state that brought us Rob Blagojevich um, and everybody else, we're now leaning into your way of doing things politically, which was you couldn't get the voters to do it. So um, think about the money behind the scenes there. You had the legislators be like, oh, let's just do it ourselves. You were the first state to do it that way. You didn't even do it with the will of the people. Sorry, Illinois. I think you guys got kind of Illinois politicked on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Ben, and thank you for joining us today on Prevent This. We hope you found this series helpful. If you would like to view this episode as a webinar, you can do so on our webpage at www.yourchoiceprevention.org backslash webinars. Thank you so much for listening and have a wonderful day.